everyone. Welcome to Her Journey Podcast, where we talk with incredible, talented, and powerful women about their experiences. My name is Aline, and I'm your host, and today I'm joined with both Anya and Catherine, the founders of the Colorization Collective. So yeah, this is actually the second episode we've ever done with two guests at once, which is pretty cool. Um, So I'd love to start off by having both of you just quickly introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, So yeah, we can start with Anya and then we can move on to Catherine. Perfect. Um, Hi everyone, my name's Anya. I use she, her pronouns and I'm an 18 year old from Seattle, Washington. Um, Right now I'm taking a gap year before heading off to college and just working on the Colorization Collective um, during that time. It's a fun fact about me is my favorite flavor of ice cream is chocolate chip cookie dough. And I'll pass it to Kat. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Anya. My name is Catherine Lau, or Kat. I also use she, her pronouns, also an 18-year-old from the lovely Evergreen, Washington State. Um, I'm currently a first-year drama major at NYU Tisch um, at the Strasbourg Studio, if anyone is familiar with the system. Um, And yeah. Anya and I created this in 2019 after an acting intensive in 2018. So acting and this has been a big part of my life recently, which has kind of been strange to reflect on going into the 2022. Um, and I'm I'm fond of chocolate chip cookie dough as well. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, so um, I guess just to start off, I have one question just for in general for whoever wants to take it. Um, if you could just tell the audience a little bit about what the Colorization Collective actually is and kind of what your mission is. I can take this one, Kat. Um, so the Colorization Collective is an organization that supports teen artists of color. And we do so through a couple of different kind of, call them like umbrellas. Um, So one umbrella would be teen features and opportunities. Um, So that involves like spotlighting teen artists of color on our blog and social media, um, providing teens with opportunities to share their work um, and showcase their art to a larger audience. The second umbrella would be our mentorship. Um, So our mentorship program, which pairs together teen artists of color with adult artists of color um, and just allows them to learn from and gain experience um, like professional experience. Um, And then the third umbrella is education. So our chapter programs, um, which help spread awareness of racial equity in the arts at a local level, along with um, like partnerships with institutions like nonprofits, city governments, um, to raise awareness of racial equity at the arts at that institutional level. Um, And I think, Kat, let me know if I missed anything. I think that pretty much covers the gist of, of what we do. Awesome. Yeah, I think it sounds super cool, everything that you guys are doing. So yeah, I absolutely want to learn more about that as well. Um, so kind of another question related to this initiative of yours, how exactly did you two kind of come up with this concept in the first place? Like, why did you want to um, start it up and really make it a real thing? So in the summer of 2018, Anya and I participated in Seattle Children's Theater 
theater's Young Actors Institute, I want to say. It's either institute or intensive, um, YAI. And kind of through that, we had the opportunity to talk to a lot of really cool professional adult artists of color. And a sentiment that we heard echoed from a lot of them was, um, you know, part of what makes my work or me so groundbreaking is that I am the first or one of the first um, artists of color to really break into the space. So we kind of got together after that intensive to talk about the similar experiences we felt in our own lives. We're both ballet dancers and have felt, you know, similar isolating feelings in that world. And so we got together and we kind of discussed what we could do to help that. And from there, we created this, an organization, an initiative that is centered on promoting and supporting teen artists of color. Yeah, very cool. I think that's super amazing. Um, and I know you actually talked a little bit about some of the projects that you guys have worked on in the past. Um, and so I'd love to learn a little bit more in depth, kind of your favorite projects, maybe the ones that um, you feel are more meaningful to you guys, um, or maybe any projects that you guys are currently working on that are pretty exciting. <laughs> okay, I can go. Um, I would say, for me, obviously, all the projects that we do are meaningful, uh, but some that stick out to me, I would say, would be like our web series, um, which is currently on hiatus due to COVID-19. Um, but that was kind of, that was the original like main focus of the Colorization Collective, and then we kind of grew from there. Um, but the web series is a really cool way that we feature, we spotlight one teen artist of color per episode. Each episode is about 10 minutes long. Um, and it's a really great way for them to use their own words and speak about their experiences, um, couple that with like visuals of them actually doing their art and sharing their art. Um, and I think it's really, that was really powerful for me just to see, like hear other teen artists of color kind of talking about issues that are feelings that I also had felt as, as an artist. Um, and how they overcame that um, and kind of grew grew in their artistry and as a person. Um, and I also think like that project had a lot of impact outside the organization with like, for example, when we shared that with the city of Seattle, um, they were willing to like share a web series with other arts organizations around Seattle. So like it's had a pretty big impact um, institutionally as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, adding on to that, our roots are definitely based in interviewing and just talking to other teen and adult artists of color. And I think that's really one of my favorite parts of what we do is getting to hear all these stories and not only getting the validation of like, you know, I, I felt similarly and, and this is what I did to overcome that, but also like, I just find it so inspirational to be able to speak to all these different artists um, and just kind of find this one unifying thread of this is why I love what I do and this is why I'm going to continue doing what I do. It's a really great feeling. And then of course our mentorship is so dope and something that I've jokingly said that I would apply to. And I every year we do, I get a little bit closer to sending my own work in. Um, but we just did our first summer and winter cohort instead of an annual cohort, which was so cool. Really rewarding to be able to specialize in certain realms of art instead of just performing in visual or, you know, like bigger umbrella terms. And that's actually about to start really soon. So I'm excited for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think like all these projects, they sound really cool, really awesome. Um, and especially, I know you talked a little bit about your mentorship program. I think that's especially pretty unique um, with your initiative. And so I would love to kind of hear a little bit more about um, kind of how it all works um, and maybe how you came up with that idea in the first place. Okay, sorry. I think I always start. Next question, you get to go first, Kat. Um, I would say, I can talk maybe about the logistics um, behind the mentorship. So basically, um, the mentorship's vary in length. Um, they either run for like five weeks or 10 weeks. But basically what we do is we pair together a cohort of teen artists of color who specialize in a particular medium. So with this upcoming cohort, that would be writing and music. Um, so we pair like a writing cohort together with a professional mentor of color. Um, so this is someone who's like worked as a professional writer, has a lot of experience um, and the same thing for a music cohort. Um, and so the goal of that is to really show teen artists of color like what life as a professional artist could look like um, to allow them to gain a connection to someone just because unfortunately in the arts world, like having, having mentors, having advisors, like having connections um, is really helpful. Um, and then another part of it is also just like professional skill building. Um, so part of the mentorship takes place in individual cohorts working on like the mechanics of your specific craft. So like with writing, like voice, style, genre, other writing things. Um, and then and the second part of it is working um, across cohorts to really build like professional skills as an artist. So focusing on like elevator pitching, focusing on like writing a resume, building a portfolio, um, like having the chance to talk to artists, adult artists that we bring in um, from outside the program to kind of share their experiences. Um, and then that all culminates in a showcase at the Teen Ticks. Teen Ticks is the organization that we partner with to run these programs. Um, it culminates in a showcase at Teen Ticks Arts and Opportunities Fair. Um, so it's a cool way for like to build community, but also provide teens with tangible skills that they can use um, later in the professional arts careers. Yeah, that was really thorough, honestly. Um, but kind of just expanding on what Anya was saying about building skills and also like networking. Um, we try to focus on both the business side of art and also the artistic technical side of art. So there is individual one-on-one -on -one feedback with your mentor, along with small group feedback, along with larger cohort feedback. Um, so for the literary cohort, I don't write as much as Anya does, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll be working a lot on honing into like the writer specific style along with technical grammar, stuff like that. And then and um, I think for music, again, also not something that I'm super well versed in, um, but I'll, I'll be, it'll be exciting to see what these teens really focus on. So that's the more technical side, the artistic side. And then the business side, we do resume building, um, portfolio work, elevator pitches, ways to really put yourself out there as an artist. And I think the networking falls under that umbrella as well. So you get your own small cohort, you get a larger cohort that's everyone involved in the program, and then you also get to continue keeping in touch with your 
Um, and then additionally, these teens, we don't ever really lose touch with them. So like we're about to publish a zine. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that yet, but if not, we, there will be a, a publication soon. And um, there is work done by some of our first cohorts artists, which is so cool. So a lot of networking involved in that as well. Um, and then the final showcase, another one of our goals, because while community and networking and skill building is really, really great, it doesn't really do much if you don't have a place to show it. So we really want to create a space um, that's just focused on highlighting and spotlighting and just sending this work out and getting exposure and audiences as much as possible. Um, in terms of how we kind of started the whole thing, a big part of why I and how we actually started our thing was mentorship and getting to talk with artists and building, you know, a relationship and eventually a more professional like back and forth with adult artists. So we wanted to create a similar, I don't know, like nurturing vibe, <laughs> not the best word for these young artists as well, because there's nothing quite like having a mentor that you feel is always supporting you both as an artist but also just as a person and that's kind of how we started the whole process when it came to finding mentors we talked to other teen artists um, or uh, yeah other teen artists who looked up to certain artists and then from there we would interview them and talk to them about not only their work but also like why they're interested so we really want to make sure that these mentors were you know, made to really help and be there for these teens at the end of the day. And I guess something we've also been considering is a lot of the, these artists that we're working with are pre-professional, which is super important. So getting that mentor as kind of a little foot in the door was also really important. Yeah, I think that sounds super cool. I, I think that this is a really unique opportunity that you're offering teens. So I think that's really awesome. Um, I especially love like you know, you're all about that community building, especially um, in that, and you're kind of connecting these different topics into art. So I think that's super awesome. Um, and I know another big part of your initiative is definitely your online content, like your blog. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering what type of content or topics you normally write about or focus on or cover through your blog or through um, kind of just all the online content that you uh, create. Um, and yeah, we can start with Catherine this time, and then we can move on to Anya. I know we said that I was going to do first. Anya has a lot bigger band in online content and blog work. Um, I'll talk a little bit about our social media work. So interviewing teen artists of color. Um, part of that is they do get a feature on our blog. So <laughs> I'll leave all of that for Anya. But in terms of social media, that's where you'll find a lot of our collaborations. Um, there'll be little posts. And then in terms of a feature for a teen artist, they get their own post um, featuring their work and a headshot and then as well as a story shout out um and tags and everything so that's a big part of again like I was saying getting the word out and getting exposure and gaining a bigger audience um you know touching a new maybe set of people that they wouldn't necessarily have found if they were just putting their own work out by themselves and then we've also done like a few lunches or dinners or like just open discussions and dialogues as well and I'm sure there'll be more time for me to plug <laughs> our actual socials but it's it's like a nice space to get everything that we're doing kind of in one concise like succinct place yeah and then when it comes to 
like blog content, there are a couple of different types of articles that we produce. Um, like Kat was talking about, um, a bulk of the articles are teen features. Um, and so that process involves like sitting down with a teen, interviewing them, um, and then from that interview, creating um, kind of like a profile style piece you might find I say you you might find in like a New York Times magazine, but ours isn't as good as something you would find in a New York Times magazine. Um, like something like an analogy of that. Um, so, and then another part would be like we also interview adult artists of color um, and share like a Q and A style interview. Um, so just really distill like advice they might have for teen artists of color. Um, any like how they, they're kind of learning about their artistic journey, um, that kind of thing. Um, and that's a cool opportunity for like, if teens can't participate in our mentorship for whatever reason, to still have that ability to learn from professional artists. Um, and then a third part is kind of just more general, like reviews um, and arts criticism, um, like looking at books written by people of color, plays, all sorts of different artistic mediums. Um, I spent most of my high school years doing arts criticism. So I'd say like that is something um, I'm really interested in um, and excited about. And um, I think it's definitely really, really cool to see um, people of color reviewing pieces by people of color um, and kind of seeing what take they have um, just because like the world of arts criticism in general is pretty, pretty heavily weighted towards um, older white male writers. Um, so it's kind of a, a fresh take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that sounds like super amazing again. Um, and I love that you kind of cover all these different types of art forms. I think that's pretty cool as well. And I love that you guys are doing those interviews. Um, I think that's also something pretty unique. And I guess another question kind of stemming from that is, do you guys have any interviews you guys have conducted that have like especially stuck with you or have especially been memorable to you um, or even just any favorite memories working with um, the Colorization Collective in general? One kind of immediately jumps to the top of my head. Of course, everyone is special and every interview kind of allows for another take and reflection into my own life and experiences, which I'm so grateful for. But we got to interview Sarah Porkalob and she was one of our mentors at YAI. So it was just a really lovely kind of full circle moment. Um, she's also a performing artist. Her work is amazing. I think she's going on Broadway soon. Um, but it, it was really cool. You know, I kind of started talking with her at YAI and then we saw her again at our high school to do like a little workshop. And then we finally got the chance to really sit down and interview her for this. So it was just really, really cool to be able to work with her in all these different capacities. And I guess see both of our work as artists kind of grow and develop. Yeah. Um, honestly, this is a really hard question. Um, I don't know if I could say I've had a favorite interview because like everyone is so, their story is so unique in such a different way. Um, and I think like as you talk to them and as you figure out like, what angle you want to write their piece in, um, you can always find like little nuggets, uh, like excellent quotes or like excellent ideas that you just think about um, and you really love and reflect on. I would say 
some of the biggest moments for me, I remember one interviewee, um, I believe it was Marina Chen, but I may be wrong. Um, she mentioned that like she really doesn't want to be seen as like she's specifically Asian. So she said like an Asian artist, but she really wants to be seen as just an artist. Um, and she noted that like oftentimes people of color are seen as like their race and then an artist um, instead of just like being able to talk about something that isn't their race and their art. Um, and I thought that was like particularly powerful just for me as a teen, like trying to figure out what my artistic voice is, like what kind of things I want to talk about. Um, I felt like that was really powerful and something definitely like as we keep producing projects, um, something we like to keep in mind um, and just allow, allow teens of color to write or not just write, but create um, anything they want that relates to their identity um, and not confine them in some way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think both those stories are really cool. Um, and I know you have a lot of really cool um, interviews also on your site. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I think that's super amazing. Um, and especially cool how you were able to find these people and be able to speak with them kind of one-on-one. -on -one. So I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. And I guess another question for you is, uh, when you were kind of founding and growing the Colorization Collective, um, it's usually not easy to kind of start a project like this and grow it to kind of the extent that you guys have grown it to. Um, and so along the way, have you guys faced any specific challenges or obstacles that maybe you're especially proud of overcoming or that you were able to really learn and grow from? <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> I think one of like the very... A silver lining of the pandemic is that we had a lot of time to grow our online our online presence. So that's kind of something that we at least got a bit of a head start in in that school wasn't as time consuming as it could have been, which is sad, but a silver lining of the pandemic, right? Um, fiscal stuff is always hard, especially when we were first getting started. We applied for a grant through Riley's Way in 2019, I think, and we didn't get that one, but we reapplied for it again in 2020, and we're really honored to receive that grant as well as the continuation grant. So um, yeah, that's something that stands out to me is like, it, it was, it sucked not getting the money the first time around, but really stuck with it. And I'm proud that we ended up where we are. Yeah, I think for me, um, sometimes like the, I don't want to say like the interpersonal stuff because that sounds weird, but like definitely I think communication um, is a really big, was a really big challenge at the beginning um, and something I think just anyone working either with a team or with a co-founder just has to learn to, to do. Um, I think like Kat and I have definitely been better about, gotten much better about communicating um, about the organization and also like figuring out a way to be like business partners, but also friends. Um, and I think that like having, being able to like compartmentalize our relationship in that way has been really, really, it, it was definitely hard at first, but I think once we managed, and we're still figuring out, but once we managed to get better at it, um, I think it led to 
like the organization growing in a lot of different ways and also like us getting closer together to Island. For sure. No, for sure. I think it was honestly something we kind of avoided talking about when we were first getting out. Like, we're friends, we're doing this together, like this will be so great. But once we realized that we were actually, like there were stakes to this and how much it really mattered to us, then you kind of have to, yeah, draw the line between work and personal for sure. But I'd like to say that keeping the relationship good in one realm really boosts it in the other and vice versa. Another thing as we were looking for interviewees was to make sure that we weren't just staying within our own realms of comfort. So like for me specifically, not just East Asian artists, not just East Asian women, specifically dancers or performing artists for me. So um, yeah, really making sure that we were branching out and trying to feature a wide variety of voices because this is for all teen artists of color, not just teen artists of color who look like us, was something that we found a little bit difficult in the beginning. But once we got better at cold emailing and really taking advantage of our networks, that kind of became less of an issue. And it's still something we're conscious of and working on, but it's definitely gotten easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you both for sharing. I think. Um, you know, that's pretty helpful for the audience to hear as well. I know like starting something like this isn't always easy. And I actually relate to um, kind of what you guys talked about, you know, having uh, a balance between being business partners and also friends. Um, So I think it's really great that you guys kind of touched on that as well. Um, And I guess another thing um, kind of still related to the Colorization Collective, but also more about you guys and kind of what you do. Um, I'm sort of wondering, because I know you guys do a lot outside this initiative, um, and so I'm wondering about what some of these other activities are that you've done um, that are really meaningful to you that have helped you grow or maybe um, even inspired you to do certain things with the Colorization Collective. Um, I would say there are a couple that come to mind. Um, I think the biggest one would be all four years of high school, I volunteered with an organization called Teen Ticks. Um, they're a local nonprofit um, based in Seattle, and they focus on arts accessibility for teens. Um, and so there were kind of two sides to my Teen Ticks involvement. Um, part of it was like learning about arts administration. Um, so that was really cool, like getting to learn about like how do you fundraise? How do you like write an agenda? How do you like create an event? Um, some of those like more logistical things. And another aspect was I kind of, as I mentioned before, like participated in a lot of arts criticism work. Um, And so I really got, got to learn a lot about how do you, how do you write an article? How do you interview people? um, And got a lot of practice with that. And so I think those skills were really helpful um, when it comes to like managing an organization, event planning, all of that stuff. Um, Also just like writing on the blog and being able to help like foster other young writers um, through the blog. And then I would also say like our connection with Teen Ticks um, has been really, really helpful as well um, because because, we're connected um, as an organization. I guess because we're connected personally, it, it got a lot easier to like ask them, ask the leaders at Teen Ticks, like, do you have any advice for us? They were really helpful as we were starting our organization. Um, and then with our mentorship program, as I mentioned, like that is in co-production, in collaboration um, with Teen Ticks. Um, so that's definitely a partnership um, that I don't necessarily know if it would have been possible if 
they, there wasn't that clear, like long-standing commitment already. For me, a lot of my extracurriculars are very, very art-based. So a big part of my high school career was um, the drama department at my high school. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really thankful for the relationship I have with both of my drama teachers who I'm still in touch with, you know, right now, Albin and Mikey, hi, hello. <laughs> um, but that was really great. And also a super just direct application of what we were talking about in the organization into my own life. Like, basically my favorite part of doing what we do is hearing all these stories and getting to share experiences. And, um, you know, theater is also another form of storytelling, but it was also cool to see how, especially once I got into upperclassmen years when we we're doing showcase or finding playwrights to read, you know, I could kind of be like, what if we actually looked at someone who wasn't white, old, male, and probably dead, you know, a la Shakespeare, for example. So, you know, getting, I feel like working with and talking with Anya and the other artists that we talked to kind of gave me the reassurance that, yeah, like things do need to be changed. I'm not just being crazy. And also kind of giving me that little bit of courage to, to poke at the more admin, you know, level people in, in our high school to be like, hey, let's maybe try this. And then from there, it also got me a lot more comfortable to just talk to adults in general. So a lot of my other teachers, not just the arts-based ones were, a lot more receptive to hearing what I had to say about, you know, um, race and art. And another big part of my high school career, which sounds completely different from the work that I'm doing right now in terms of my major or this organization is swim and dive. Um, I guess this is gonna sound so cheesy. They really taught me what an effective team looks like. And, you know, whether that's communication, but also everyone's pulling their own weight and pushing themselves to be their best. Um, and a, a little bit of competitive, you know, a competitive nature, like friendly competition, but you're definitely trying to be the best that you can be. Um, and then, of course, springboard diving was something that I just started freshman year and I was terrified of it. <laughs> and so I think that experience of being like acknowledging your fear and just willing to be like, it means that you care. So let's go out and let's get this done. Um, something that doesn't feel related at all to the arts, but I think changed me as a person and changed my work as an artist a lot. Yeah, definitely. I, I think all these experiences you guys have underdone are like really amazing. Um, and, you know, I think it's amazing that also a lot of these interests kind of um, pour a little bit into the Colorization Collective and kind of what you guys do. Um, obviously, you guys are pretty accomplished and you have done a lot of really amazing things. Um, and so we've kind of heard a little bit about kind of what you've personally done and also what you've done for the organization. And so I guess before we end, I would love to hear maybe some of the goals that you guys have um, for both the Colorization Collective and also just for yourselves. I think the biggest goal, um, at least looking at 2022, is, as Kat alluded to earlier, like thinking about um, fiscal stuff, as she said. Um, so kind of trying to figure out like organizationally, how do we want to be structured? Um, like legally, do we want to be fiscally sponsored or become our own nonprofit? Um, what does that look like? Like, how do we keep the teen focus of this organization within like legal structures? Um, and how do we, like what structure would we best 
to do that. Um, so that's, I think, an ongoing conversation, um, but something that we're trying to have a better handle on definitely in 2022. Um, so I think like figuring that out is a goal, I would say. Um, and then personally, I think a goal I would like to have is just um, learning how to be a better, it sounds so cheesy, learning how to be a better leader. Um, just because like, as I mentioned, I think like communication is still something I'm working on. Um, and so figuring out like, when do I advocate for myself? When do I, how do I delegate? Like, how do I step back and not micromanage and like let other people lead and grow um but while still providing them with support and creating a great product i think that's something like i'm still trying to find a balance on um and something that i hope cat will like nudge me when i'm being too much of a like, type a person i think we balance each other out really well um Adding on to goals for the organization, definitely financial sustainability, as well as, so, you know, like, how can we keep this initiative going for longer until we're not teens, which is coming up sooner than I thought it would, while also being able to implement and kind of play around with new programming that we want to try, um, as well as expansion. One of our newer initiatives is a chapter program, and we've got a few different chapters here and there, states, you know, here in there but really looking you know we've worked with artists across international borders so just really looking to expand the organization and create a really strong network and then personal goals there's a lot one that's been on my mind recently is just just really finding the joy in what I do because I did this I started because I'm passionate about it I'm still doing it because I care a lot um and it's really just not worth it if you're not getting something out of it I too like as well, I really believe that you you get what you put in, um, you know, work hard, play hard. And so just appealing to the inner child sometimes and being like, yeah, this sucks. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of nitty gritty stuff, but it's fun. And I'm doing it because it's going to create a change. And I really care about that change, not just for myself as an artist of color, but also for other artists of color. Um, and then I guess something else that I'm navigating personally is just the intersection of all the various identities. So what it means to be a woman in a predominantly male space, like in producing, for example, or, you know, an East Asian artist in a predominantly white space, like acting <laughs> um, or ballet. So these things that I really care about doing, it kind of at times can feel like the odds are stacked against me as, you know, female, Asian, young, but yeah, navigating the intersection of all those identities, accepting that and being like, you know, this is perhaps getting into a little bit of advice, but you're the only you and you bring all of that to every table that you sit at. So finding those tables and taking that space is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, thank you so much for sharing. I think that's like definitely super amazing, all these different goals that you have and um, obviously, you kind of shared a few lessons that you learned as well, um, and some of the advice that you have for teens as well. Um, and so I guess before we fully close, I would love to have you both just share some last pieces of advice, maybe just for um, aspiring teens out there who are maybe in the underrepresented um, type of field and, um, yeah, just really want to kind of get their work out there. I would say, I think I've said this before but it's something or like something outside this podcast but it's something that 
I've been thinking a lot about recently. And so I feel like it bears repeating. Um, I would say like, don't compare yourself as an artist um, because you're different. Your art is different from what's already out there. You as a person are different. You've been like built out of different experiences. And so the voice that you're going to be creating art with is, isn't going to be like, um, like whoever's the hot celebrity of the day. Um, I don't know. Um, so I think for me, like I tend to compare myself and be like, oh my gosh, XYZ got a, not awards nomination at like 13. Here I am at 18. I'm, I'm not doing anything. Like, what am I doing with my life? Oh my gosh. And then I go into this like spiral. Um, but I would say like, don't, don't do that. Um, the only person you should be comparing yourself to is the art you created in the past. Um, and just look at how much you've grown day over day. Um, and, and how much, think about how much you'll be growing in the future. Um, and don't, don't tie your worth to what other people say about your art. Um, but what you think about your art, um, because I feel like you know in your heart if what you've created is has value and is good um, and means something to you. It's going to sound very hallmark, <laughs> um, but I was just going to say like you are enough, but I want to extend that like you are so enough that you matter so much. Like I know that when I was doing work and looking around my studio for training, it can be really, really lonely sometimes, you know? Um, and then you look at all these roles and celebrities who are getting cast as XYZ lead. Um, so kind of comparing yourself like Anya was saying, but I think it's just really important to hold on to the fact that like your work matters, like you're, you're taking steps for people after you and for yourself and working toward this goal that's just going to benefit everyone and that is so brave and we're so proud of you and keep doing that you know um and then also like I was saying about work hard play hard sometimes you just got to take a break <laughs> so practice self-love um I've been working on just reflecting on who I was and who I am and celebrating you know all the good things that happened between then and now and just really practicing gratitude. <laughs> this sounds so homework and I hate it, but like just being really grateful um, for a lot of things, staying humble, staying grounded, but also realizing that your work is so, so important and so, so unique to you and we all need it and appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really incredible advice coming from both of you um, and really beautifully put as well. So thank you so much for sharing um, and yeah, do you guys just have any platforms or social media you'd like to shout out um, before the episode comes to a close? Uh, we've got a website. Check us out. Just colorizationcollective.org. Um, contact us. You know, there's links um, to a lot of forums. You can join our team. You can be featured. You can nominate someone else to be featured. You can just reach out if you have any questions or want to say something. Um, or, you know, our email is on there, but it's just colorizationcollective at gmail.com. And then find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, just at the Colorization Collective. And um, we gave a TED Talk. If you want to watch that, it is just... I, it's a bit hard to find right now. So maybe <laughs> put a pin in that and come back to it. And then... I mean, feel free to cut this out if you want to, but in terms of personals, just 
Catherine dot Lau underscore Catherine is K-T-H-R-Y-N and Lau is L-A-U. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for, um, you know, everything for coming on here and speaking with me today and sharing your incredible stories. Um, I really loved kind of getting to know both of you. So yeah, thank you again for just being here. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much.